Well, have you taken action this past week? Are you carrying the truth project forward? I mean, these next two weeks are critical. Critical to get the news out. Uh, of course, I like this. They're way too close, but I love what it says there two years later. So did anybody uh, put their wise men farther away? I mean, let's say this week. Anybody do it this Had a major change in your life? Anybody? Okay, it's not working really well here, guys. So, I didn't show these uh, to you the last 9 o'clock service. So, um, let's see. I'm not going to show you them now. <laughs> oh. All right, there we go. All right. Um, now, I, another thing I want to talk about was the men's Christmas challenge. This is how you do it, guys. You go to your wife, someone you love, and you say, how can I help you prepare for Christmas this week? How many guys have asked their wives that? Anybody? Okay. Anybody? All right. I want you all stand up, okay? All the guys stand up first, all right? Because we're going to practice asking this question. It's a very difficult question to ask because there's so much mystery to it. We know that we're going to have to sacrifice our time, our energy, and that's why we never ask it. We wait until our women, our wives, that is, have to you know, beg us. That's all changing, right? We're servants of Jesus Christ. We want to treat our wives as brides of Christ. So let's say it together, men. How can I help you prepare for Christmas this week? A little louder, come on, more heart. How can I help you prepare for Christmas this week? This could be a breakthrough Christmas for you guys. And myself, we actually offer our lives as a living sacrifice to our wives and say, Hey, where can I help out? Now, everybody stand up. Everybody stand up. And uh, if your wife is with you, I want you to ask her this question, and she can respond. If you're single, you can talk to someone else. But uh, go ahead. Uh, she doesn't need help. <laughs> All right. Did everybody? Wives, are we good? Did your husband say they would help you? Okay, you can be seated. It might be the most important thing you take away from this time. Being a servant uh, to your bride. Yeah, we're not having good luck here. <laughs> there we go. Uh, we're going through a series on worship. And the reason I chose worship for a Christmas series is because Christmas is all about worship. Remember when the angels appeared to the shepherds and, and filled the sky and worshiped God, gave glory 
to him and the, the shepherds running to the manger. What did they do? They worshipped the Lord. And of course, the wise men who came two years later, they came and worshipped the Lord. Simeon, the priest, worshipped the Lord. All the different characters worshipped Jesus Christ. And so, I thought, well, I think it's important that if we're going to be doing this this Christmas, that we have to understand worship better. Because there's a lot of misconceptions about worship, and some people think it's just a service that we have here. Uh, so, you know, last week we got started, and we're going to continue with another great passage on worship. Next week is pour out your hearts. And then, the next three uh, services, uh, Christmas Eve at 3 p.m. One service. Okay? Christmas Day at 10 a.m. New Year's Day at 10 a.m. Just one hour. And again, we need people to help with child care. I'm going to be helping on, I'm going to be helping on, well, I can't help. <laughs> so I got, I got my surrogate, I asked my wife. <laughs> but the point is, is that we want to serve the families in our church who have young children. And I'd really ask you to consider, just take that communication card out and uh, write down one of those three services where you can minister uh, to our kids. We're studying Paul in Philippians 1, 20-21 when he said, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And the way we put that all together in the sense that Paul was a living sacrifice, he was sold out to Christ. And to be here on earth gave him a chance to glorify God. Because that's what we're created for, right? We're created for worship. We'll be doing it all eternity. And it'll be fantastic. But again, we need to glorify God here on earth. And that's really the main purpose of life. Worship is a treasuring of God above all things. Think about how much you treasure your children. Right? You just love them most of the time. I mean, you love them, don't like them sometimes, but you love them. Right? You put so much time <laughs> into their lives, depending upon the season. Uh, you, you put so much energy forth. You're always thinking about them. You're concerned about them. You're planning for the future for them. And you're dealing with what's happening right now. So... In short, your parents, I would say, treasure their children. Now, that's what it means to treasure something, to put it as a first priority, to be kind of like a driver in your life, moving you along from day to day. So then we look at God and say, okay, we should treasure Him. Like it's not going to be the same as treasuring a child, but it is important. That we think about God, that we wake up in the morning and say, I'm here to worship you today. I want to walk through this day and everything I do and say, 
people will see me or uh, talk to me and, and they'll catch a glimpse of Jesus Christ. Now again, it depends where you're at in your spiritual journey, but that is the goal. And again, the more you uh, intentionally grow in the Christian life, the easier this is going to be. But it goes against everything of our nature, right? We have our new nature, but we're thinking, well, i got a lot of things to think about. But again, if you think about that, this is why I'm here on earth. Again, that's the Christian worldview. Why am I here on earth? Yes, people in this area, and they'll come up with all different types of questions. But we are to treasure God above all things. Another way I like to put it is, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. Interesting, isn't it? Because we're always looking for satisfaction, right? In entertainment, in our jobs, in our family, in our hobbies. We want to feel that sense of satisfaction. And what we need to do is ask the Holy Spirit to think like that. Ask the Holy Spirit to say, okay, let me be satisfied with God. You can be in any situation in your life. I know probably some of you are going through some deep trials right now. But you can still treasure Christ and be satisfied in Him. I think we here in the United States need to practice satisfaction. Right? I mean, really. How much time do you, you spend being satisfied, being content, saying, this is good? Instead of thinking, this isn't right. I don't have that. I can't go there. Of course, that's where our mind naturally goes. But with our new nature, we think about the fact that I'm satisfied. I know I'm working on this myself. I'm satisfied. I'm satisfied with what God is doing through me. I'm satisfied with my family. And it really is something you have to practice. And so I want to encourage you again uh, to put a gratitude journal together. And why I keep mentioning it is because someday the Holy Spirit (laughs) will encourage you to do something like that. I mean, you can do it in any way you want. But the point is is to write down the miracles that God has done in your life. And I've been working on mine, and every day I list three of them. And uh, it's, just, it's just wonderful how God ministers to us on a daily basis. Well, let's look at our core passage. Now, we looked at Philippians uh, 4 last week when Jesus Christ was talking to the Samaritan woman. And that's a that's the definitive passage on worship. And this is another definitive passage, Romans twelve, one and two. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Verse two says, Do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. So in the first verse, you have the flyover, okay? That's the big picture. 
We're to present our bodies as living sacrifices, acceptable to God, which is spiritual worship. But now let's look. How do you do that? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. God's transforming us because, again, when you become a Christ follower, the Holy Spirit comes into you. You have a new nature, a new capacity to experience God and to know God. But the problem is you're still in this body. You're still in this flesh. And this flesh lusts after many different things that don't glorify God. And we can so quickly conform to what this world says is satisfying instead of focusing on God who is satisfying. Romans 12.1 I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So Paul is addressing the people in Rome. He says, I appeal. I appeal to you, therefore. Now, whenever you see the word therefore, what do you have to do? You have to go back, right? And look what was before it. And if we had time, we could see that it was a a glorious piece of glorifying God at the end of chapter 11. So he's saying, therefore, based on that, Based on how great our God is, I appeal. And it's that word again, come alongside. Uh, Paraclete, the Holy Spirit comes alongside. As we've talked about discipleship, we want to come alongside people. And this is the nature of the church. This is the nature of discipleship. Because when you're in a Christian relationship, whether it be a small group or a discipleship circle, and maybe two or three, that type of thing, uh, we use the word triad in the past. Uh, but when you're in that situation, your brothers encourage you. They encourage you. Every time I get together with guys to disciple them, they encourage me. I walk away more excited about my faith. And that's why it's so important to be integrated into a church. And a church that focuses on discipling your whole family. So I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. By the mercies of God. You know, this is the motivation for worship. First, that Jesus Christ, God sent Jesus Christ, sacrificed Him for us. So that we would experience what it means to be a Christ follower, to be a child of God, to be able to have His Bible instruct us and guide us and just be a part of the body of Christ. I mean, that's the key thing, right? We always have to go back to the cross. And we, we need to think about it more and more. Because if you really let the Holy Spirit Let those passages seep into your life. It's just going to be a natural motivation to want to worship God. And and every day you experience His love and mercy. Who can testify to that? Every day you experience His love and mercy. Yeah. Isn't it cool? You know? I mean, just this past week, you know, I was struggling with something and I took a nap. 
and I felt better. Now, a nap is a mercy of God, right? Love and grace. Or let's say you're stressed out at work and you're trying to figure a problem out. And finally, it all comes together. What is that? That is his mercies toward you. You lose your keys. Worst time to lose them. You find them. That's the mercy of God. You see, you've got to look closely. Because sometimes we just kind of cruise through life and we're just kind of on uh, auto, auto zone and <laughs> in the zone. The idea is, is that uh, we're just not thinking. But again, with a gratitude journal or something else uh, just in your mind, recognizing, thinking through your day, okay, where did the mercy of God? Because I'll tell you what, I'd say, I don't know how much of the mercy of God I've identified in my life. But it's not what it should be. And so, that is again a practice fueled by the Holy Spirit. Again, practicing being satisfied. Practicing identifying the mercies of God. And I tell you what, if you're walking with the Lord, you're going to experience them every day, even if you, uh, if you look close enough. So the mercies of God. So that's our motivation, right? To present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. To present your bodies. Now what this verse does, again, it's kind of a transition from the Old Testament worship to the New Testament worship. Remember, when Jesus Christ died on the cross, He paid... The penalty for our sins, the curtain of the Holy of Holies, which was one inch thick, was torn from top to bottom. And it was no longer about what was outward necessarily, like going to the tabernacle or or the temple, uh, sacrificing animals. Now it turned inward because the Holy of Holies now is in us. And therefore we are priests, all of us, our priests, we all stand the same before God if we're Christ followers. I'm not more special than anybody else. I just happen to have the gifts and the calling of being a pastor. But we are all priests now. That's a key thing about New Testament worship. You are a priest of God. You represent God to other people. You're an ambassador. You communicate to other people who God is. To present your bodies, that word present was a word that reflected the Old Testament sacrificial system. So a person would come and bring their lamb. And remember, it had to be unblemished, right? It had to be the best lamb that he had because it represented Jesus Christ. And he would give it to the priest. And the priest would lie it on the altar uh, and then would burn it. And then the priests, they would be provided for food through that method. And again, what the Israelites were saying is we're confessing our sins. And we know we sin, and therefore we have to make a sacrifice in order to atone us. And the great news for us is the sacrifice has already been made. To present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, how's that different from the Old Testament? 
Well, it's not a dead sacrifice. It's a living sacrifice. That means you and I are called to lay down on God's altar. As a living sacrifice. In Romans it talks about uh, the body of Christ. And uh, talks about our body being used as instruments of righteousness. Because again, our proper response to God is to sacrifice. Now, He's already saved our soul, right? He's already saved our soul, but now He wants to take care of our bodies. He wants us to give our bodies to Him. And everything we do, as you go through Romans, you see that there are different types of illustrations. You should uh, give your arms as living sacrifices. Your legs as living sacrifices. Your eyes, your ears, your nose, your sexual organs. Those are all mentioned now that they are instruments of righteousness because of what God is doing in your life. And that's the way you worship, is you lay down on the altar. A similar way to put that would be, it would be a lordship decision. It's saying, God, you saved me, and now I know why I exist to worship you, to treasure you, to be satisfied, and therefore take control of my life. Take control of my desires. Take control of Everything I do, help me to submit to you. You're my Lord, and I'm laying down as a living sacrifice. You know, when you're laid out, it's not particularly a power position, right? <laughs> right? You're just kind of saying, Lord, take me, purify me, make me holy as you are. Living sacrifice. And notice the word is sacrifice. So there's something you have to give. You have to give your life to God. And that's the ultimate gift that you can give Him. And if you've never done that before, or you feel like you've kind of drifted away, I would encourage you, in giving a Christmas gift to God, the greatest gift that we could bring is ourselves. Our desires, our time, our energy, our love, our passion. We give it all to God. and Say, God, lead me. Help me through these challenges. And let me glorify you in everything that happens. It's a Christian worldview, right? You're a living sacrifice. So God wants you to go throughout your day, go throughout your week, Glorifying Him in a changed life. A life that continues to change. Holy. It's interesting that word back in the Greek in that time uh, didn't mean holy. It meant to set apart something. But all the gods were so selfish and just sinful. You know, they never thought of any god that would be holy in terms of purity. So really... Paul redefined the word. Holy means to be set apart for something different. Set apart. Maybe you've been chosen to do a certain job or 
to take on a particular task and you're the one who's supposed to do it and you're being set apart. You're special. And God is holy. And He wants us to become more holy in the way that we live our lives. And acceptable. Now we'll see this word again in verse 2. To God. Which is your spiritual worship. Now acceptable is another term that's used in uh, the Levitical system of sacrifice. And spiritual worship also is. So again, if you're a Jew that's grown up with the sacrificial system, it's kind of like, wow, you know. You always have to look at the context. You always have to look at who is this, who are they, who is Paul addressing? He's addressing Jews that have sacrificed all their lives and all of a sudden it's shut down for them. They go to the temple courts to sing and praise, but they don't bring sacrifices like other people do in that day. It was kind of a strange thing, right, when Jesus Christ turned things upside down. Romans 12, 2. David Livingston uh, was a pioneer missionary in Africa. He was well-known, was a great explorer, a man of great fame, but he devoted most of his life to Africa, to bringing them the gospel. People talk of the sacrifice I have made in spending so much of my life in Africa. Can that be called sacrifice? which is simply paid back as a small part of the great debt owing to our God, which we can never repay, that a sacrifice which brings its own reward of helpful activity, the consciousness of doing good, peace of mind and bright hope of a glorious destiny hereafter. He understood, right? He was living it out. Hey, I'm not sacrificing here. I'm just serving my God. And I'm thanking Him for all He's done for me. I'll never be able to repay Him. But my life is His. It's not about my fame. It's not about who I am. It's all about who God is and how He shines through me. Romans 12, 2. And do not be conformed by this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So, don't be conformed. That's the idea in the original languages of kind of having like a mask on, masquerading as someone from the world. And again, this is a core issue for all of us because we're constantly being tempted day after day after day to follow the world's way. To put all of our hope there instead of in Christ. Do not be conformed. Don't, don't masquerade. You know, we all talk about masks that Christians wear. I mean, think about yourself. How much do you glorify God in your life, in your relationships? How much do you talk about God? How much do you talk about His ministry? How much do people realize that you're a Christ follower? I know in business and things like that, you've got to be careful what you share and when. But still, right? Do people around you know you're a Christ follower? Do your neighbors know you're a Christ follower? 
The teams that you coach, do they know that you're a Christ follower? Because we are to be different, holy and set apart, and we are to be so different that people look at us and say, that guy's weird. He is weird. He's a freak. Because he's not conforming like everybody should. In fact, uh, Leeds University did a study of peer pressure. Peer pressure. They put a bunch of people in this really large room. They didn't give them any constructions, but they told them, you can't say anything. And so they took 5% of the number of people, and they told them what to do, where to go, you know, what to do, whatever. And it was fascinating to see that all the people followed these people who knew they were going. <laughs> now, there have been no instructions given, but there seemed to be some people that were determined and knew what they were supposed to do. And, well, they just all dropped in line, right? That's what we do. We naturally do that. Uh, what are the birds that fly... Um, the little ones. Uh, yeah. Uh, are they the ones that swarm in terms of, you know, waves of them in synchrony <laughs> together? Well, they did a study on that, and, and they found, of course, that that bird was imitating the one next to them. And that's why they can fly. It was funny because I, I was driving the church. One morning, and in came this spread of birds, and they got right in the middle of traffic, and everything stopped. <laughs> they just dropped right in the middle of the intersection. Everybody was slowing down and everything, and so they regrouped. But again, we want to follow someone. We want to be accepted. Friends, one thing we always need to be reminded of is that this is Satan's world. He's in charge of it. God gave him that. So this is his system that we're living in. So you can tell why things are so terrible, right? And Satan's running the place, one might say. My God's still in control. And so we get into the system. And the greatest temptation is to conform. Not to say anything that people will think is strange. Not to speak about your faith. But just do what everybody else is doing. And it's always happened. In fact, I really feel very bad for women because of the image that the media throws out about what a woman's body should look like. So the average woman is 5'4", 165 pounds. The average model is 5'7", 121 pounds. I'm going to see on an average 3,000 images a day of other women. And, uh, oh, it wrecks havoc. Their daughters and wives. They did a study that said that one to third graders, 40%... Of the girls were wanted to be thinner. They were concerned about how much they weighed. At 10 years old, it was 80%. 18 to 30, a similar percent. 
even when women were middle-aged. It was still 60%. Our culture has taught you, ladies, that you have to have a certain type of body to be accepted. And it's a lie from Satan. Right? You're working real hard on your weight. and If you need to, that's fine. But at the same time, you, you really work harder than you should because you want to fit in. You want to be like others. And... and Again, eating disorders are rampant. Why? Because our culture is saying, this is what you should look like. Very sad situation. So it's very important for you men to encourage your wives. Say, honey, you look so attractive. She gets out of bed. (laughs) Right? You have to keep affirming them because the culture continues to tell them they are not good enough. Right? So then that's your responsibility is to affirm the beauty in your wife. He said sometimes we don't think about that. The culture is shouting this at your wife and you're not thinking about it. But you need to think about it. You think about it for your kids especially. Oh, to be a parent today and to have to manage TV and video games and things of that nature, it just, it is a real challenge. Protecting your child on the computer. This is Satan's world. We see it all over the place. You know, uh, there there's some dramas. They've been doing more dramas on cable channels and... Um, they just aren't what we should watch. Like, uh, what was it? Um, West, Westworld. Yeah, Westworld. Remember that was, anybody remember that was a movie? <laughs> that was a pretty good movie. And, uh, but what they're, what they've done to that show. I mean, Westworld was the type of idea where you go on vacation there and all these robots are serving you and, all your lusts and desires and that type of thing. But, of course, in the 21st century, they show so much of what they shouldn't show. And, friends, it's not just nudity. We need to renew our mind. Renew our mind. Have God transfigure our mind. And so, many times in the shows that we watch... We see ungodly behaviors now. (laughs) Obviously, you're going to have some of it, right? But if you choose to dive in the deep end, one might say, in terms of uh, some of the raunchier stuff, that's going to impact you. And sometimes we say, oh, nothing can impact me. I'm a Christ follower. I'm not like that. But, But we can, you know, get our desires satisfied by watching Things, ungodly things. And and I I would ask you just to think about, okay, what have I watched this last week? And did that help me renew my mind with Jesus? Or did it take me further away? I mean, again, because they're coming more mainstream compared to 20 years ago, it's unbelievable what you see on TV. But again, We have to pray to the Spirit for strength 
to turn off that TV show or uh, get offline, whatever it might be. Because we are to have our minds renewed. We are called to be transformed. Like Jesus Christ was in the transfiguration. And He was transfigured before them. Remember? And His face shone like the sun and His clothes became white as light. So God gave Him permission to display His full glory. And it blew everybody away and Peter wanted to set up a <laughs> tent and they could just all be there together, right? <laughs> well, that's what God wants to do in our lives. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So, again, that's our lives. We have unveiled faces in the sense that we have a personal relationship with Christ. A veil doesn't cover us anymore. We have a new knowledge, new nature, beholding the glory of God. So if you're going to renew your mind, you have to spend time with God. You need to spend time in His Word. You need to spend time with other Christ followers. Because again, the more you saturate your life with Christian principles, the more you're going to be renewed through the Holy Spirit. Psalm 119.11 Your word I have treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. We talked about memorization. Here we have a monthly memory verse. And friends, that time alone with God is so critical to your spiritual health. So critical. You know, five times a week, but develop a pattern and a time and a place and spend that time with God. Because that's how you're renewed. You're renewed through Scripture. That's why we're here today, right? One of the reasons. Your minds and my mind is being renewed as we think about our lives and we think about what God wants from us and what the goal of our lives are. So if you don't want to sin against God, what do you do? There's that word treasure, right? I know some of you uh, can't memorize. It's hard, you know. <laughs> but uh, you should try. It's good for your brain, really. There's studies have been done on that. But uh, treasuring in my heart. See, it's all about the heart in the New Testament. It's all about how you care for your heart and how pure you keep it. and uh, Yeah. In Colossians 1.28, we proclaim Him, that's Jesus Christ, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. And that's a key discipleship verse. We look into the next year and our focus on discipleship, doing a series on that in January. We've just laid out a discipleship pathway we have thought and prayed and put a lot of time into say, okay, how can we present every man complete in Christ? Colossians 3, 2, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. Right? Practice that. Now, there, there's two types 
of sacrifices we can make as we look at this New Testament sacrificial system. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is a fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. So when you are singing to God, as we are worshiping together in song, you are fulfilling that. You are making a sacrifice. God is, again, changing the, changing the definitions here. It's not a, a dead lamb. It's, it's you singing. It's you sharing with other people about the greatness of God and how He's working in your life. The fruit of lips that acknowledge His name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. So, first of all, it's all about your praise to God. And then it's about what you do, right? Good works. Serving others. Do not neglect to do good. And to share what you have. Those are the sacrifices we have in the New Testament. This is our memory verse, but I changed it. <laughs> well, that's way too long. So I just went to the next one. <laughs> John 4.24 God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. Again, that's the verse that I encourage you to talk to others about, or if you're in a group, you know, encourage each other to memorize that. Romans 12.2 You may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. That's very important. That you may prove what the will of God is, which is good, there we see the word acceptable again, and perfect or complete, not total perfection, but the sense of being complete in Christ. Now, you may prove really has two different meanings. The first meaning is, is that of... Uh, Testing something, you know, being aware of what the scripture says and looking and spotting particular sins and and just with all the discipline you can. And of course, the spirit of God, try to follow that. That's one. In fact, if you look at the NIV, you'll see that it says test and approve. Approve also has another definition. What you want to do is you want to test, you want, you want to continue to evaluate things, but then you want to prove things. And you prove things out of a renewed mind. That's how you renew things. As you grow deeper with Christ, as you study His Word, as you spend time with other Christ followers, what's going to happen is your mind is going to be renewed. And it's the idea of the sense that you can just sense that something is good or bad. It's not that you have to think about it. It's a part of who you are in terms of the way you view life. In fact, really, that's the main thing we need to do to worship God is to renew our minds. Through Scripture, through conversation, listening to Christian radio, right? Yeah. Podcasts. There's all kinds of stuff out there that can help keep your mind on Christ. So think about this. You know, how much time do you actually spend studying the Word or listening to podcasts or uh, watching something on television, uh, pastor, preach, whatever? How much do you spend time doing that? Well, it's very, very good. If you can put more and more time in that direction, 
and, and take advantage of all the podcasts that are out there that are, are great teachers who are expositing the word and uh, do everything you can to saturate your life with Christian music. It's a beautiful way to renew your mind. In closing here, uh, came across this old hymn. I think it really kind of beautifully sums up what it means to give your whole life to be a living sacrifice. May the mind of Christ my Savior live in me from day to day by His love and power controlling all I do and say. May the Word of God dwell richly in my heart from hour to hour so that all may see I triumph only through His power. May the peace of God my Father rule my life in everything that I may be calm to comfort sick and sorrowing. May the Word of God dwell richly in May I run the race before me, strong and brave to face the foe, looking only unto Jesus as onward I go. May His beauty rest upon me as I seek the lost to win. And may they forget the channel, seeing only Him. I put that on the back of your message notes. I encourage you just to... How many, how many know that song? May the... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just, I mean, it's great to meditate on hymns, to listen to hymns. They're so rich in theology. And uh, that's another way to renew your mind. Yeah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, teach us to worship. Teach me to grow more in the way that I worship. Ah. Uh, it's hard to keep the focus sometimes on treasuring you only in this life. That I'm laid out on the altar. And I report to you because you are my Savior. And therefore I give you my body to use it for your glory. I pray for all of my friends here wherever they might be in their spiritual journey, that they would grow in this area. They would take something away from this message, something away from these passages, and, and start applying it this week. In Christ's name, amen.